last couple of months, we have seen more international unrest than I've seen in my entire life. There may have been times in history where people have also experienced some political and physical and religious and racial unrest, but for the most of us, not like this, and not all together at once. Apart from COVID, one of the biggest things we've seen is the rise and fall and the re-rise of people who stood up against racial discrimination. We saw the whole Black Lives Matter movement and how people all over the world from all sorts of racial and ethnic groups talked about what it means to be racially categorized and mistreated based on where you were born, how you were born, how you look. We've heard numerous people's opinions about it, and we've seen how people are trying to dissect it from all sorts of angles. We've seen people die. We've seen people get arrested. We've seen people get annoyed by this movement, people who just don't want to talk about it anymore, people who cannot believe we still need to talk about it. We see people who feel, how has it taken us so long to talk about it? We should do it even more. To me, it kind of seems like New Zealand only got the tail end of it all. I mean, some people talked about it, yes, and there were some protests going on, but not like what we've seen in some other parts in the world. But that doesn't mean it doesn't touch us, stirs something in us, asks something real of each and every one of us. On Wednesday night, the Fireside Group got together and talked about the Good Samaritan. We didn't talk about Black Lives Matter, but we talked about the fact that the story of the Good Samaritan and what happened on that day still shocks each and every one of us. I mean, if we think about it, the Good Samaritan was the least favorite to stop and help. No one expected him to help. Why would he? Samaritans aren't good people. Everyone knew that. They didn't do good at least not to injured, vulnerable people, but he did. Let me refresh your memory. Luke 10 from verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. A teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, he said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And now we know the rest of the story. He even takes him to an inn and says, I will care for you and pay for all your treatments and lodging and food and everything. And so then we talked about the story, and we talked about what if the story was to be written today, what would it look like? Who would play the part of the Samaritan in our context today? The one that helped the injured, 
vulnerable, the person in need? Or should I ask, who would be the least favorite contestant to stop and help and take care of someone like me or you? If something were to happen to you today as you walk down Dr. Taylor's Terrace Drive, who in your mind would be the most unlikely person to stop and help you? Or if we want to put ourselves in the awkward position of the priest or the Levi, who would we see lying next to the road and walk away without helping? Uncomfortable questions, I know. But if we think about it, there are still today people who look at certain people and form opinions based on where they come from, where they were born, and what they look like. There are still people we place in a box and refer to as them without even hearing ourselves say it. And there are still people who are doing it to us. And thinking about the Black Lives Matter movement and thinking about our conversation at Fireside about the Good Samaritan, I cannot help but be challenged by this or at least talk about it. When we move to one of Jesus' most famous sermons, he touches on the subject again. In Matthew 5 from verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So say the word of God. What we read here is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And what we see here is Jesus telling people what it really means to follow him what it means to be peacemakers, kind-hearted, people slow to anger, righteous people trying to live like children of God, as people who hear and follow the commands of God. And what we read here is Jesus referring back to the law. We read the same thing in Luke, referring back to the commandments we find in Leviticus. But funny enough, the law is not being quoted here. We read something new. In the law we read, love your neighbors. And now we read, you have been told to hate your enemies. Strangely enough, we, we, we don't get those words anywhere in the Bible, hate your enemies. The Bible doesn't say it like that. This is an interpretation of what happens to us as humans. We tend to strongly dislike people who are radically different than us. In other words, hate them sometimes. But no, stop doing this, we read. Stop doing what you're used to. Stop living that kind of life. I tell you, those people you radically differ from, love them. 
We read that even they, the ones we don't like, the ones we don't agree with, will be taken care of. Even the sun will rise over them. There will be rain on their lands too. And so we are called to love them just the same. And we're not only called to love those who love us, we're not only to spend time and greet the ones we like, the ones we love, even the pagans do that. No, they greet their own people. No, be kind, not only to people who make a friendly deal with you. That's what the Pharisees are doing. They love those who love them. We are called to love the others. What kind of love is this and how will we do it? Is this the kind of love that is based on sentiment, on emotion? Is it a kind of love that's based on concrete actions? Is it the kind of love that's based on the teachings and preachings of Jesus? And so when we talk about love, and especially the, this kind of love, the kind of love we're supposed to have towards people we do not understand, we do not want to engage with, the kind we don't want to love, is that the kind of love Jesus is talking about? And then can love and actions be two separate things? Can true love only be about actions without being devoted to a person, having some concern, sentiment, and emotion? Maybe we are called to have a little bit of both, or a lot of both. And how will we do that? Be that, if this is what it means to be called children of God? How do we act as children of God in the same way as God? The one who lets it rain over the righteous and the unrighteous, the good and the not so good? And then we hear, be perfect, like God is perfect. And obviously, I immediately think, how is that even possible? How can you even say that? But now being perfect here doesn't mean to be free of sin, free from wrongdoing. It can refer to being someone lacking nothing, being open to others, being mature in the way we think and act with the same spirit as Christ in us. This kind of love. The love Jesus talks about is love that take those barriers away that we bring to divide us and others. Those barriers we put up to separate us from people we do not understand. In this context, it's called an enemy. In our context, we can call it someone we really struggle to relate with. Yes, it may be difficult and it may be really hard. And some love need a miracle, I know, and luckily... We have a God who's really good at making miracles happen. And so as a starting point, as if Jesus knew this was going to be really hard for us, he says, pray for those who are different than you. I read in the week, the cornerstone of humanity is found in divine worship. Whoever is considerate of all of human beings and prays for them should be considered as truly of God. Pray for them. Pray for those. But now it might not mean for us to pray for them to change, for them to be better or different, as hard as it may be. 
we might have to pray for the change to take part in us. For us to see differently, look differently at others with more love, understanding, compassion and kindness. And then we might pray, let your will be done. We can easily let our prayers become about God changing others. Well, prayer is mostly about God changing us. Can we do this? Can we be these people? Can my application of this passage fulfill the command to love? When we read about loving those that make it so hard to love them, those who do not deserve our love, those who wouldn't even know what to do with our love, does my application of the scripture in regard to loving not only my neighbor, but also my enemy, fulfill the command to love? Looking at the world around us in terms of loving others, it doesn't seem like we're getting it. And it might be happening for all sorts of reasons. So to change this, the scripture says, number one, pray. The second thing we read says it might start with us and how we greet one another. We read it in the scripture, who and how do you greet those around you? I kind of like the fact that we started greeting, greeting each other in the beginning of the service. Just to see who's around you. You might meet someone you haven't seen before. You might have this moment to look someone in the eyes, someone you haven't seen for a while. When we first moved to New Zealand, that was one of the things I kind of found fascinating and strange and interesting all in the same time, the way that people greet one another. Whenever I went into a store and someone would say, hi, I would say, hi, how are you? And they would immediately give me the strange look and sometimes they would say, fine, and then walk away. And there was nothing wrong with that. And then I thought, how could you not ask me how I'm doing? You can so easily say, hi, Morena, and then walk away without even thinking about it. Is this true? Is this only me? Does that happen? Sometimes it does. Well, where I come from, it's totally different. You at least have like 10 exchanges before you get to the point. It goes like this. Hello. Hello. How are you? Fine, thanks. How are you? Fine, thank you. How's your mum? Oh, she's well. How's your mum? Oh, you know, same, same. Okay, listen, <laughs> then you get to the point. It's never a simple, hi, almost never. And then also what's very different is I come from a country where we have 11 official languages. And so every region kind of has its own hi, 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 whole thing in a different language. Now, Zulu is the language spoken by most people in South Africa. Approximately 10 million people speak Zulu in South Africa. And they have a word for greeting one another, and that's the word Salbona. Carla, you had Zulu classes. I'm saying this right. Salbona. Salbona. And so when you meet, when you meet someone, you greet someone in, in Zulu, you'd say, Salbona, and they would reply with saying, Yevo Salbona. It means hello, of course, but it also means I see you. I acknowledge you. The fact that you are taking time to talk to me, recognize me, stand still with me, invest a moment or two in me, 
because I'm not just saying hi as a means to an end, to get for, from where I am to where I want to go, to hear what I want to hear and get my answer from you. This hello also means I see you. How often do we miss these opportunities to really look at people and see them? In COVID times, we're even less likely to do it. I mean, we're so reluctant to hug or even shake hands. Our usual hello is even shorter than it used to be. And then we look at the story of the Good Samaritan and how impersonal people can get. And we listen to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and we realize this is a necessary thing. People have avoided and judged and disliked other people for ages and ages. People have tried to categorize and stigmatize and classify and box people for so long that sometimes we need this wake-up call to see one another. We need this reminder to not just look at those around you, but see them. See them for who they are. In Genesis, after Abraham, who is still child, childless, takes to his Egyptian slave, Hagar, to bring children to their family, she becomes very unhappy and runs away. But she doesn't run too far away before an angel of the Lord comes to her, meets her, and they have this interaction. And she has a meeting with God. And you know what she calls God in that moment? She gives him a specific name. She calls him El Roy. El Elohim, which is the Hebrew word for God, and Roy, which means sees. So when she calls God El Roy, she calls him the one who sees me. How amazing is that? That's God's name. And then she goes back to the life she wanted to escape from. And you know who goes with her? God, the God who sees her. We all want this one, we all have this want, this hunger, this desire for the Lord to see us, be with us, help us, guide us. And luckily, I'm here to tell you today that one of God's name is, I see you. When you hear this, when you believe this, that we have a God who stops and sees us, who stands still with us, walks with us, looks with us, with eyes, with nothing but love. When that becomes true for you and for me, it might be easier for us to also see others. We might find it easier to look at others through lenses that are made new. Lenses of love, true love. Amen. Let's have a moment of silence to... Let this all sink in.